Welcome to Half Finished to Done, a podcast for passionate business owners like you who are ready to stop procrastinating and start finishing all of your half-done projects. I'm your host, Christina, and I'm looking forward to helping you finish your projects in a calm, sustainable way using a simple, repeatable process. All along the way, we'll be working through the mental, emotional, and logistical obstacles that are standing between you and extraordinary projects. Let's get into it. back to the podcast. I am so excited to have a former client on today who has gone through Half Finished It On Live, not once, but twice. So welcome, Shelly. Tell us about yourself and your work. Thanks, Christina. So I am a nutrition mindset coach and dietitian. I help busy women who have a lot going on to really develop a healthier and joyful relationship with food because all too often those are two separate things. So together, a healthy and joyful relationship with food so that they can get peace with themselves and their bodies at any size. And I personally, I'm on the West Coast and I've been here for my whole life. And so I'm very West Coast Seattle in personality. So that's a little bit about me. I'm sure more things will come out as we talk. So good to have you. So you went through, obviously Half Finished on Live twice, but before you did that, you came to the Bare Minimum Challenge. And that challenge is one of like five challenges I run, but it is for sure getting the most attention here on the podcast. It is the one that people are always talking about. So what was your experience there? I can't remember why I initially signed up, like what it was about that ad. I know it was an Instagram ad because I remember telling you about that. But I remember thinking like at the very beginning, bare minimum feels like settling. And over that week, because your challenge was a week, over that week, I realized that bare minimum isn't settling at all. It's like actually doing the best that I could do in the time that I have, which is something my mom always used to say, like, do the best you can do in the time that you have, do it, be done, move on to something else. And it was really nice to be able to see that I could be more productive by doing less, by letting myself off the hook for all the stuff that I was never going to get done anyway, but then to stop feeling bad about it and to to be able to find, you know, what is the absolute essential piece here and to do that thing and not get distracted by everything else. That is something that I take with me to everything else I'm doing now, at least everything else that I'm doing successfully now, that it's something that I can, that I can use to filter because that's something I've always had a problem with is trying to figure out the prioritization, like which task is more important and what of this task is the most important because sometimes I'm like, oh, this is the the biggest thing and I'm right. It is. The way that I'm doing it does not have to be that way. And sometimes it's the most important thing. It doesn't have to be the biggest one, right? But I built it up so much or I don't have the clarity around it that I think it needs to be all the stuff that it doesn't need to be. And that challenge was so helpful in finding what is that little, the little seed of what is actually important, and then taking away all the fluffy part. Okay, this is why I call you the bare minimum queen, because you take the bare minimum and you literally apply it not only to your projects, but like you said, to everything else in your life. So I'm like, you have earned that title of bare minimum queen. And what you said is exactly right, where you're like, okay, I can either sit down to work and drag all this heavy weight of here's what I should be doing, this should be better, this should be more elaborate, this should be more valuable, it should be more perfect, all these ideas of what your work should be. Or you can strip all of that away, 
actually create simple value and then move on with your life. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it feels so freeing because before I would get overwhelmed by doing an email or if some lead came in, you know, from a doctor's office, they fax the referral. And then I'm like, oh, I have to call this person because I, I can't even email them to call them. And then I have to work myself all the way up. And then I'm realized like, by the time I've done that, it's after hours and now I can't call them anyway. So I'm like, oh my goodness. Like I just, it just builds so much. And then it's gone like a week before, you know, and, and now I'm just, okay, well, this needs to happen. It's going to realistically take this much time and I will get it done on this day. The end. <laughs> like That's all it has to be. You know, it's not a big deal. That's my favorite part is it's not a big deal. I can just do my work and it's not a big deal. And I can do the things that are important and it's not a big deal. And I can, you know, even feel the feelings and deal with those emotions and then do the work or decide something else, but all that, and it's not a big deal, right? And just that feeling of being free from the overwhelm, if I choose to be, that is really different from what I was experiencing prior to that challenge and prior to working with you through Half Finish It Done. So I just really like the difference. The emotional difference has been completely life-changing. The actual like getting stuff done piece of it, also very life-changing because I'm actually getting stuff, well, I'm actually getting the important things done, which is nice because there's always going to be stuff that I don't get done, right? And I think the bare minimum challenge really helped me figure that out is, like I knew there was always going to be stuff, but I was very stressed about it. (laughs) And now I'm not as stressed about it because like, well, the important things are getting done. so it doesn't really matter that the other stuff isn't. And if it is important, I'll find a spot. Like, I think that plus how finished it done really helped me figure out that, like build my self-trust and self-efficacy that, okay, well, I'll be able to figure it out. If it doesn't get done now, I'll figure it out when it can get done. And because I have more skills to be able to do that, I'm more confident too that I can do that. Okay, this is so good. I have so many things I want to call out. But the first thing is, I think it's funny because I think most people think they're coming to the program to get more things done. But it's almost like that becomes the side benefit to the deep emotional stability, I would even say, that you end up developing. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I mean, I also am creating an extraordinary project. So like, that's great, too. <laughs> but like, I feel better. So what do you feel that's different than you did before? Obviously, you mentioned overwhelm, but what else were you feeling before that you're feeling less of now? And what are you feeling more of now that you were feeling less of before? (laughs) I'm feeling way more confident, partly because I am getting stuff done and I'm seeing the results in my business, in my life. Like Things that I put on my list actually are getting off of my list rather than just sitting there and staring at me and taunting me and then having a bunch of siblings. Like, is actually getting done, which is so helpful. So then there's that sense of calm and, and intentionality and the idea that that I can do something, I think helps reduce the chaos feeling because, well, that and the prioritization helps reduce the chaos feeling because sometimes, and I'm not sure which happens first, the chaos or the overwhelm, but they kind of happen hand in hand. And when that does happen in the past, it was just, like spinning out emotionally and not being able to get done and anything and, you know, having to rely on external, like an external support or person to help me kind of regulate and get back on track and figure out what to do next, which is 
fine. And I still rely on people to help me, right? Like support and community. That's really important. And we don't have to do it all by ourselves. And it's nice to be able to be resourced internally, to be able to do that more myself, not have to have to have somebody there all the time for me to be able to be productive or get through a day. I was just explaining that difference actually at the anti-procrastination challenge. I was explaining with external accountability that like some people are more geared towards needing or wanting external accountability. And I was saying, I firmly believe that we can build our intrinsic motivation. And that's not to say that you won't also put systems in place to have external accountability. You can do both. And I think you're saying the same thing, which is like, I can still talk to a coach and I can get my feelings out and I can get advice on what to prioritize, but also I'm my first line of defense, which is huge. Yeah. And to be able to do that, I mean, that's a transferable skill, right? It's not just when you're sitting down with your to-do list, like, here's the only time I can apply this. It's like, no, when I'm overwhelmed anywhere or when I'm wondering what to do anywhere in any situation in my life, I have the same, it, it might not look like the same process, but I have those same skills and I have those same experiences that can still apply to the emotion wherever it's occurring. And I really like that part. That still feels way bigger than just getting stuff done on the to-do list. So let's make a pit stop here at the emotional piece. What do you think specifically changed in the way that you're becoming aware of emotions and then tackling those emotions? I think this part happened during Half Finished It Done. I wasn't really expecting how much self-care and mindset and self-compassion there was in the process. And I I did see some of that in the bare minimum challenge, which took me by surprise because I think I was expecting it more of being like a little bit of that, but really more on the productivity, like get it done kind of thing. And being able to have that self-compassion piece solidly built in, well, not even like built in, like it's built on self-compassion, right? I think that's the difference. It's not like productivity. Oh yeah. And then this is important. Let's just add that in. It's being aware of the mindset and being aware of your emotions and being aware of you and the way that you are right now and the way that you'd like to be. And instead of just pushing yourself to get there, being like accepting where you are right now and starting from that point and then growing from there instead of throwing yourself to try to get across this giant chasm to where you want to be. And as I think during that process, we had a lot of opportunities. You were very helpful in pulling out some of the emotion and separating some of those emotions from the thoughts. Like that was one of the big things that I struggled with sometimes. And so those things were really, really helpful because that was such a part of the process. And I really, well, to say that I liked it was <laughs> a simplification and I'm not sure it was true all the time. I valued it. I valued it a lot (laughs) as part of the process. And I think because I I wasn't, I didn't like it. If Half Finished Had Done wasn't set up the way it was, and I didn't have my perfectionistic tendencies going in, I probably wouldn't have done it as much as I did. But because I, I do, and that's how I am, and I was trying, and I, you know, had all the stuff at the beginning, I think that was actually really helpful for me to have that structure and to could be forced to do it like you're not forcing anybody to do anything but you know in my mind at the time I was 
that was one of my interpretations, right? I was feeling a lot of resistance to doing basically anything you were telling me to do, which is really funny because I signed up and I paid to have you tell me something in me. And and we had coached a lot on this too. But at the time I was feeling very, oh, like this is such a waste of time. And not that it was a waste of time because like there was a part of me that knew it was really valuable. But <laughs> this is just like, this is something I didn't want to do. And there's so many thoughts about that one too to say. <laughs> I think this is so valuable because what I always say is whatever comes up for you in the program is coming up for you in your projects, like 100% of the time. So I'll give a, I'll give a super simple example. So I'm working on streamlining the way that I present all the material, like literally putting it in one place, like making it super simple so it's easy to find. But the people who are like, I'm confused or I'm overwhelmed or I'm lost, I'm like, oh, those are the people who experience those emotions outside of my program too. Those are the same people who tend to feel overwhelmed. Or if you're like, I'll have people who come in and they're like, I hate Slack. I'm so frustrated. It used to phase me. It doesn't phase me anymore because now I'm like, oh, those are the same people who just feel frustration about lots of things in their lives. I think that's a good thing to realize is like you, and I think you were coaching, right? But becoming aware of like, okay, whatever's coming up in this coach client relationship or whatever's coming up for me in this group setting or as I'm doing my project is the exact reason I signed up for this program. Here's my opportunity to dig in. Yeah, that that it's not about that particular situation, that this is just an example. And I would go so far as to say an opportunity. It's like an opportunity to come face to face with the exact pattern that you are presenting with in the first place and work through it. Yeah, I mean, I think there's been a, a tension between needing to do things perfectly and figuring out who defines perfectly, knowing that something isn't going to work and having that tension between wanting to fulfill that requirement or what I think is a requirement of being perfect and wanting to be successful because that's another part of being perfect, right? Like what happens when perfect requirements are in conflict with each other? And I was experiencing that a lot during at least the first round, the first half of the first round, mostly. And for everybody listening, I loved it so much I joined again. So none of these things are like, none of the frustrations were big enough or none of the things were like, oh my gosh, this was such a struggle that I quit. And I actually, I'm really proud of myself for doing that because I think that is one of the things that in the past has come up, right? It's really difficult. I don't like doing things that are difficult and I don't, well, that's not true either. I don't like doing things that I think I'm going to fail at because then I'm not perfect. And I might disappoint somebody. I, I will be disappointed myself. I'll see that as another, another thing that I just haven't done. And to be able to reframe, well, oh my gosh, so many thoughts. One, to reframe some of those things, right? Like when I came in, I I think I used the term hobby of the month because I had all these interests and I was so tired of starting a hobby, losing interest, starting another one, losing interest. And it just, because I, I had this idea that hobbies are meant to stay for many years. Like this is an interest that you hold on to because that's the idea of hobbies that I've seen that is normal except that's not normal that's just the one that people usually say when they say hobby right but a lot of the people that I know their hobbies aren't like that they're like hobby of the month so and I'm like well that's what I started referring to I started saying it because it was kind of like self-deprecating but I think thinking of it through how finished to done I was like no these are just like things that I enjoyed for the time and now there's something else that I enjoy even more 
And since it's a hobby, it doesn't have to be productive. It doesn't have to be something that I hold on to until it produces, you know, returns or something like that. Like, oh, well, this is diminishing returns here. I like the beginning of a hobby. And it's okay. Like people sign up for subscription stuff all the time. That's essentially what I'm doing, right? Hobby of the month. Like, okay, there's no shame in that. Like, it's the same idea. Like I'm just using something different. And it's be honest, it's not every month. It just feels like a short amount of time because I was comparing it to something that doesn't fit me. Like that's not how my life is. That's not even how I want it to be. Like that feels really boring to pick one hobby for the rest of my life. I don't even want that. But somehow I had it in my mind that this is what it means to have a hobby. This is what it means to have an interest is that that never changes and you are stuck with it for the rest of your life and you better enjoy it because everyone's going to ask you about it. And really doesn't matter. (laughs) It doesn't matter, right? Like to quote you, I'm like, it's not a big deal. What's so cool about this, and like, first of all, genius business, you should totally start a business or someone should start a business doing a hobby of the month club. I'm like, it's actually so smart because I'm like, how many people out there are like, I want to dabble in all these different interests and I don't want to make that a problem. I also want to reflect back to you just the way that you say it, like the way that you said it before is like hobby of the month and how, what, actually let's talk about this. What feeling did that create for you when you used to talk about hobby of the month? Oh, so much shame and frustration and sense of failure and just like internal anger, right? Directed at myself. Like it's just this sense of, I am not good enough to even stay with something I'm supposed to enjoy. That's the feeling and the thought. Which is hilarious because I'm like way to zap all the joy out of hobbies, which are supposed to be fun, right? And that's I'm like, this is what we're all doing. When you think about hobby of the month now, how does that feel? Oh, it feels fun. It feels like curious. And it also gives me different lens to see things that have happened in the past, had previously interpreted with a little bit of excitement, but a lot of shame, internal shame, but I never let that show. Um, and now I'm just like, oh, the internal matches the external now. It's okay. Like I don't have to pretend anymore that I'm okay with their statement. I'm just okay with their statement. Like, for example, people used to tell me like, oh, what are you doing lately? Like you're always doing different things and you're always doing interesting things or you're always doing, you know, you're always up to something new. There's, there was a part of me always that really liked that. And then there's a lot of me internally that was like, yeah, I just can't stick with anything. Like they're just saying, like, I'm always doing something different. I'm always starting stuff. Right. And for that person that was saying it, they didn't mean it in that negative way. They were actually really thrilled. Like they were living vicariously because they don't do that. Their life was kind of the same every day. And they didn't, you know, maybe they went somewhere or maybe they had the same job. And for me, I'm like, wow, their life is so stable. Like, how do they do that? I wanted that. And they wanted some excitement and some something different and unique. And I was giving them a little taste of that by how excited I got about whatever my new thing was. And I didn't have to be ashamed of that. And I don't have to be like, now that I think about it too, like people ask me that and I'm just like, yeah, so I'm doing this thing or I'm doing that thing. And then like way more excited, uninhibited excitement. Yes. Oh, I love that so much. Okay. One thing you said, which I think is really cool, is this idea of the difference between your internal and your external and using other people as a mirror. So when someone compliments you specifically, we've actually talked about this. And I think in one in your second round, we talked about this in a group call, is when somebody compliments you, What is your story in reaction to their compliment? And if you disagree with their compliment, that is actually perfect because it's showing you the exact area where your 
insecurities lie to then work on and coach yourself through. So that's so cool to be able to look at that and be like, okay, there's contrast here. Why? And you did that. That's so neat. Yeah, it's really nice to be able to be able to have some of those skills in. I was self-coaching before. I think most coaches do, but to make it part of the process intentionally, that part I wasn't so thrilled about. And I think because when I had seen it before, I only had a few tools to do it. And I just really, you know, like the hobby of the month tools. And I had a bunch of shame about this too, but in the past, coaching tools or other tools, like it just wasn't being able to have like your one or two things that you always go to. And like some people like have morning routines and they always do the exact same thing every morning. And it's the same idea. So I'm like, I need a morning routine. My morning routine is like a rough list of things that I might want to do that day. (laughs) And that really works for me now. And it doesn't have a specific time to it. You know, the things that I deem the most important that morning need to get done before that meeting. But other than that, like, it's kind of free flowing. And that works so much better. And so now because you gave so many tool options, I have like a really, really big toolkit to self-coach from. And I'm finding that I'm using more opportunities now than I was before, just because I have more ways of approaching things. So like, if it feels like too much to be doing X, Y, Z, and that was the only tool I had, then I just wouldn't do it. But now if it feels like too much to do X, Y, Z, I can choose from a number of other things. And sometimes it's just a really simple question or sometimes it's just like, what am I feeling? Where is it? And like a lot of these are not, I mean, I don't mean to make it sound bad, but it's not unique to you and your program. I think a lot of coaches were using the same stuff, except that we call it different things or we're approaching it from a different angle. But I think the thing that made it really stick in your program or from your program was that it was so comprehensive and it was all for one purpose, right? So like we were doing this self-coaching because this was going to be very helpful to get this project done because I'm so task oriented. That was super helpful for me. And there was enough structure, but enough freedom that it was a really good balance. And to have that live component as a part of that, it's not just like, oh yeah, you follow this thing and you like walk yourself through the videos and then, you know, you have to get it done. But we had the Slack and we had your video, your like live videos, the coaching calls and the stuff to read and the things that we were creating ourselves, right? Like we were doing our projects on our own the majority of the time. And I just felt like that was a really nice balance to be able to do. There were some things that required, but not everything. And for me, that having just a little bit of guidance with, a lot of freedom to be able to choose which thing worked and have you be able to filter and like direct us to what might be helpful out of all of the resources. That was, I think, a really good environment for me. I also want to say one other thing that you mentioned, because I think this will be helpful for anyone joining the program, is I'm there to support you and I will see things in the way you explain your problem, the way you ask for help. I'll see things that I'll point out for sure. That's why I'm there to coach. So that's written coaching in Slack, but also on the live calls. But like you said, there's so many resources and you can kind of be like, here, what do I want to try? What do I want to dabble with and what works for me? And I think that's really important. I don't know if you're fully understanding what a big deal that is in a good way because I think it requires a deep level of self-trust. There's a lot of tools here. I'm going to find a good one. I'm going to use it. I'm going to experiment with it. 
I'm going to make it work for me in my version of success. And I think you intuitively did that. It's funny because I know you've said that many times, like out of the things that I've heard from you regarding the way that I interacted with the program and with your coaching, it's been two things, right? The bare minimum situation and the way that I made the process my own, your words. That's literally my notes. Those are all my notes. It's those two things. That's exactly right. <laughs> I, it's so funny because I would agree with you on the bare minimum. I just use that everywhere, right? Like I will bare minimum, the bare minimum and like <laughs> find that thing anywhere. It's like become this game. How bare minimum can I get? And I am struggling with seeing me doing, making it my own as making it my own and not being rebellious and not doing what I was supposed to. Because I think it's been such an interesting process for me to go through to, I mean, even with the bare minimum, right? Like the way that I do the bare minimum, which is so funny because I didn't do the bare minimum the way that you taught it. I mean, even that, right? Like even from the beginning when I was in your, in your challenge, I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. I don't like this part. So I didn't. And I still got great results. And then I, I kept doing what was working for me. And then you keep holding me up as like, this is so great. Like you should give tips. And I'm like, I don't know if I should give tips because this is not your process. I don't know if you really want me to give tips. But it, I mean, it is. It's a core part of your process and the intention of your yeah. process. Like yes. it is that. Yeah. And I think the same thing with, with the rest of the process too. Like, and even with my project plan, I've learned to just hold it loose enough that even the plan that I make, that I'm really clear with the intention of it, that the goal is specific, my outcome and goal is specific, and that the intention is super, super clear. Because then later on, if I decide that, you know, not because I'm like, oh, this is difficult, but because, you know what, I have found the secret bare minimum that I didn't know was there yet. And it changes things a little bit so that I don't do like maybe half the stuff or a quarter of the stuff that I had on my project plan, it doesn't mean I didn't complete it. I mean, yes, technically I didn't complete it. And I still met the goal. Like, isn't that even better? Isn't that even better? I love that. You, I mean, you just said it. And I still get great results. I'm like, if that is not the essence of what I'm teaching, like that's the summary, right? So you're like, yeah, I'm not following it step by step. And I'm like, you're doing it better. You figured out a better way let's say it's just better for you and it's not more helpful for anyone else. Although I would wager a bet that whatever you're finding that's working for you probably is helpful for other people as well. And I'm like, this requires me to drop my ego, which is in my work, right? Is to not be so attached to my process, but to be like, listen, you should outsmart the process in a way that gets you great results. And that's what I'm reflecting. That's what I see you doing is being like, okay, I love the bare minimum of the bare minimum, but always I still get great results. So cool. Yeah, it's pretty fun. I mean, I think, and that's something that I would not have said about project planning or to-do lists, or I liked the feeling after I did something. That's a great feeling. Even after I made a plan, like, oh, I'm overwhelmed and I go for it and I like spend all this ridiculous amount of time making a plan that I will never keep, but it feels good in the moment. And then you just get overwhelmed again, like the second you start working on it, because you know you will never get it done. Now... I'm making goals that are realistic. I'm getting them done much faster, way less effort. And the process is fun. And part of it is because 
I've just kind of made it part of the process that I'm going to try to figure out how to do it even better or how to do it more fun or how to do it faster or whatever it is that I am struggling with. I'll just like, well, what if it wasn't this way? You know, what if it didn't have to take forever? What if I didn't have to do all these things? And so now it's kind of like, well, I I suspect that it'll become different the more rounds I do because I'll get better at, at planning too. So part of this is just the fact that I'm still in the process of learning the process. And so I over anticipate like how hard this is going to be as I make like super steps, right? Like all my little steps are listed out when only three of them are needed. And I notice already that I'm getting a little bit better at planning ahead those things. And so there's less low hanging fruit to feel like the secret bare minimum is there. But there's still something always, there's still something that I have overthought or I didn't realize there was a different way or I could ask somebody and now it's like done in two seconds rather than, you know, me having to try to figure this out, just all kinds of different ways, right? Or maybe I'll just go do it in a cafe and it feels fun enough. And that feels like a bare minimum, like secret treasure room on the way to something else, right? Like it just, I don't know, it like I didn't have to wait for it to be fun. And that's, that by itself is fun. You gamify the process and you gamify your project. So I think that is so freaking cool. And just that attitude. So the question you asked, which I think is really powerful, is what if it weren't blank? So I love like, what if it weren't boring? What if it weren't tedious? What if it weren't overwhelming? And then you you just let your brain go, oh, oh, wait, what? I'm allowed to not think it's boring and tedious and just fun? Okay. And then like for me, I'll be like, okay, well – I don't want to sit at my desk and do this. I want to get my Otter app and I want to get a coffee and go on a walk. Or like, I don't want to do this at my desk. I want to go sit on this terrace near my house and just like lie down outside and type on my phone. And that's how I'm going to get my work done today. And it's just letting yourself break all the rules that you've made up anyway or that people have given to you. So I love this. Gamifying the process. I want to switch gears slightly. I want to – this one last piece I think is really important because it still makes me laugh. So – trying to remember the exact words you said, but in the first round, you more or less were like, well, I feel like this progress doesn't count because I'm only working on one project. Do you remember exactly what you said? I don't remember exactly what I said, but I remember the feeling. So, I mean, I think a part of it goes to, I've said this so many times, context. If I remember correctly, and I don't know if you remember this differently, so let me know because I might've said this more than once. I typically work on a lot of projects at once and a lot of things at once. And it's something that, I mean, like the hobby of the month, right? It's a part of how I keep engaged with the work that I'm doing. And I think that is good to a point. It's definitely interesting, but it lends itself to overwhelm really easily. And for somebody who's already overwhelmed and perfectionistic and like has all these tendencies and ways that I've learned to be over 30 something years that it's just, it's not a great setup for supporting myself easily. And at the same time, now it's very different. Like now I can still have some, not all of the projects. I didn't even want all of those projects. (laughs) I just kept them because there was something different to do. But now it's like, okay, now I can choose which projects are important. And now I can have a better sense of when is the time and when is not the time. And that was a phrase I used a lot during this process. And I still use like, now is the time for whatever. Now is not the time for whatever. It doesn't mean that I can't work on that at a different time. It just means that I'm reminding myself like, now's the time for this podcast or now's the time 
to do this other task. And sometimes I just need a piece of paper next to me that I can write down all the other stuff that comes up in my head that I'm thinking like suddenly I need to do this thing. It's like self-boundaries. Yeah. Now is not the time for that. Like I can write that down and I'm going back to my task because now is the time for this task. And to be able to focus on one thing, like looking back on it, I'm like, yeah, I made a ton more progress on that one thing than I had if I had made, even if I had made the same progress, but it was spread out through all of those things, even with the same emotional experience. So even if I wasn't overwhelmed and I made that little incremental progress in all of them, it just wouldn't feel satisfying. I think that because I was so used to seeing progress across the board on all of these things, like with a ton of stress, let's be honest, like it was a ton of stress, but I was used to seeing like everything move forward a little bit, right? And to me, it felt like I was stuck or I was, it was redirecting the energy that was going from all of these things into one or two to three, because I never, like, again, did not pick one. I picked the things that were thematically related. So I did, for everybody listening, like, every time I do it, I kind of do, like, chunks of related stuff together, partly to help my brain go, like, well, if I'm, or if I'm feeling stuck here, I can have a choice. I can work through it. Or I can switch to something right now because I have this great idea for this other thing. And I'm just going to flex that. And then go like, this is also my plan. And this is also helping with the same goal. And I just structured my project plans to accommodate that. And there are times within that plan where I'm only working on one thing. And there are times that I'm working on three things. And because they're all related to that same goal, really, really specifically, I still see significant progress in one area. And that's really helpful like to be able to combine Again, what's working in all of those situations, like what is the core piece that's working and what was the fluffy part and what was the part that was just causing stress. And so I'm trying to kind of refine that a little bit and pull like, what are those small seeds and put them all together in one and like put the attention and watering all those. I love this because I teach one project at a time, but I also teach it with an asterisk where I'm like, okay, but listen. It's like you said, it's the essence. So let's figure out why I'm teaching you this is because when you have multiple projects going, usually you don't actually have multiple projects going. Usually you're working on just a few things or nothing at all. You're telling yourself you're working on all these different projects, but often it's just kind of spinning and you're wasting so much mental and emotional energy. So that's usually why I recommend one thing. And then it just takes your attention into all these different things instead of being like, what is the result I want and how am I going to get it? So to your point, yes, you worked on two to three things, but you were still the spirit and the essence in your words of the program. And so I just think going back to this comment, I just thought it was so funny. You essentially were like, yeah, but like this progress that I've made doesn't really count because I have only been doing one project. So like it's been too easy. And I'm like, that's the point. That is the point of not managing all these projects at the same time. The point is it makes it easier on yourself. So I do have a lot of clients who are like, this is too easy. I'm like, awesome. You deserve that ease for a little bit. And I've noticed that as I get into like another round, I have to really go back to making sure that it is only quote unquote one project or like the way that I interpret one project because otherwise I'm like yeah I did it fine that way I'll just add another one I can do both of these like no these are both like really really big if I want to do parts of both of those I can choose one overarching very specific intention and goal 
make sure that everything I'm doing is only for that. Then I can take the next step. Because the way that I was doing it was because I have such big projects, I just take a segment of it. So I'm working on like, okay, well, this is phase one of a million and a half phases that I'm going to have to do, but that's okay because I now know a process to get it done and I will just keep going. And some of them, they never become defined phases, right? It just happens and I'm moving on with my life. But, and like we said at the beginning, and it's not a big deal. And the other part is like, no, other times it's really, it, it felt really big and now it's kind of not a big deal. And I'm still working on it. I'm still getting it done. And it would have been really boring and it would have been really overwhelming, except now it's madly fun, maybe, or maybe it's really fun, but it's not overwhelming and it's not boring and it's getting done. And like, that is such a big deal. Yeah. Cause I'm like, I mean, we're talking so much about the process and about the joy and all that, which hello, huge. But I'm like, let's not forget that you're also generating project ROI, right? In the form of money and more time and impact and social capital and revenue. I said that one. I always forget one of them. Because we were talking about emotional already. That's the other one, the fifth. Yeah. I'm like, let's not forget that that is also what you're making available to yourself by not only enjoying the process more, but actually then completing things. So, so freaking good. I want to ask you what advice you have for anyone who's either considering joining Half Finished It On Live or who has just enrolled. Know that it will be okay. So if you're resonating with what I'm telling you, I think one of the biggest things that you can do for yourself is to know that it's going to be okay. Because if you're feeling as overwhelmed, like people come in from different points, right? So this may not be as helpful for somebody else who's in a different place, but for somebody who really is resonating with that overwhelm piece and, or being multi-passionate and or highly distracted, the idea that you have to focus on one or, you know, maybe your anxiety and the perfection is really high and, and that feeling like you have to be perfect at it in order to be successful at it is really strong. Like, it's going to be okay. And, and Christina is really good. Like you are so good about meeting us where we're at and not making that a big deal that, you know, cause I think sometimes in groups it can feel really intimidating because you can feel like you're the only one who has problems or you're the only one who's still struggling with this one little thing. And I heard it many times in my own groups outside of our conversations with you, but how grateful we are that you are so good at navigating the group dynamic and so good at picking the people that are in the group, offering it, you know, figuring out who it's for and who it's not for, because we really liked our groups. And that's not the experience. Like I did two rounds and I really liked my group both times. And that was one of the things that I, I wasn't so sure about doing it for the second time because I was like, well, I don't know. Cause I really liked my group the first time. And if it's not as good, like, I don't know about that, but it was, it was so great. And so I think just knowing that that's going to be a good experience, your experience individually is going to be a good experience. It's going to be okay. No matter what happens, you're going to figure it out. And Christine's going to help you. It's going to be okay. I love it's going to be okay. It's just kind of a thought to consistently bring yourself back to. That's so powerful. And I would add too, you're going to be okay. Not only are you going to be okay, you're already okay. And you're okay even when you're experiencing intense negative emotions. I think that's something you and I have kind of talked about this is like having that bedrock okayness even when you're freaking the fuck out. And that 
it already exists in you. It's about bringing your attention to that and reassuring yourself of that. So I just wanted to tack that on and I love it's going to be okay. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, that was one of my most consistent thoughts that come up when, so Christina starts the sessions and if you've been in any challenges, she started the town, any of the coaching calls, the three deep breaths and on the third breath, you tell yourself what you need to hear right now. And I love that. And one of the most consistent thoughts that comes up for me in that is like, it's going to be okay. <laughs> and so that's really the, the thing, like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. That, you know, whether you join or you decide to wait, you know, maybe you're waiting until later, or maybe you just decide like, no, that's not really for me. Okay, that's fine. It's going to be okay. That whatever your intentional decision is, it's going to be okay. And even if you don't like the outcome of whatever that intentional decision is, it's still going to be okay. You're going to figure it out. You're going to have help. You're going to have support, like in the program, out of the program, like you are going to be okay. <laughs> so decision or already committed, it's a really good thought. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like reminder to self to think that more often. I love that. And yeah, I'm glad you, I never mentioned that on the podcast of like the three deep breaths and telling yourself what you need to hear today, which is just like a little micro example of self-soothing. And so we do a lot of self-soothing in the program. I know that's something that you have definitely done super well. It's just like taking care of yourself and asking yourself what you need. So that's another rabbit hole we could go down, but we'll pause. Thank you so much for joining. How can people follow up with you if they want to learn more about your nutrition? They can go to confident with a T, confidentnutritionnow.com. Um, there's links to everything else from there. Instagram. Is that your favorite platform? It is. It is my favorite platform. Uh, I'm confident nutrition travels over there. Okay. Awesome. Find Shelly on Instagram and her website. Thank you so much for joining. It was so great to talk to you about your two rounds of Half Finished Done Live. Thanks for having me, Christina. Thank you for listening to the Half Finished to Done podcast. If you're ready to become a self-assured repeat project finisher, the best place to work with me is in my eight-week group coaching program, Half Finished to Done Live. You'll leave our time together with one finished project and the skills you need to finish any project personal, or business in the future. Just head to peakcoaching.co slash HFD live for your next step. Can't wait to work with you.